0: It's good to be with you. Those who are in this room, thank you for joining us, carving out some of your Sunday morning. For those who are listening on the phone or joining us on Facebook or YouTube right now, we are glad to be connected uh, through this moment of worship. Uh, You should have received a little card that highlights our Christmas Eve service. Uh, That card's not for you. I'd like to encourage you to give it to someone this next week. And invite them to join us for Christmas Eve service, 7 p.m. in this room. It'll also be online as well. So take the opportunity to invite someone to church this month. Uh, we've got an opportunity, so I'd encourage you to take advantage of that. When you're on a journey, it's good to have a guide. When you're going on a journey, it's sure nice to have someone who's already gone ahead of you and knows the way. And whether it's Lewis and Clark leaning on old Toby to take them through the Bitterroot Mountains across the Continental Divide, or your mom or dad who taught you how to tie your shoes, it's sure helpful to have someone who knows the way. In our time together, I want us to think about this important uh, theme of of a guide. Uh, Other people will call it a mentor The word mentor comes from Homer's classic work, The Odyssey, where Ulysses goes off on this journey, this epic journey, and he leaves his family in charge of his dear friend named Mentor. And Mentor is there left in charge to care for and guide Ulysses' family, specifically his son. Are you ready for this name? Telemachus. There's a reason we don't name kids that anymore, I guess. But young Telemachus is in the care of mentor. And as Greek mythology kind of gets playful, Athena shows up in the form of mentor and starts to kind of challenge and encourage young Telemachus. And Athena, through the, the form of mentor, says this to the young man. If you are made of the same stuff as your father, you will neither be a fool nor a coward. Henceforth, for Ulysses never broke his word nor left his work half done. Wise words from a mentor to someone who is on a journey. Said, if you're made with the same stuff as your dad, you're not a fool, you're not a coward. And he never left things half done and he never broke his word. Sounds a little bit like what God said. Let us create mankind in our image. If you're in the same stuff as your father, my friends, we are. We're creating the image of God. And we have this picture of a mentor speaking to someone who is young. And our Core 52 text for today is from. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And we have Paul, the seasoned minister, the mentor, speaking to a young man named Timothy. And throughout his letters, 1 and 2 Timothy, he's going to call Timothy my son or my child four different times. And if you don't have a Core 52 book, we still have a few left to follow up more. It's going to be chapter 49 this week in the Core 52 material. But here's our text. I want to invite you to get your Bibles open. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And can I just uh, say this out of the gate? I want to remind you, starting in January, I want to challenge you. Are you ready for this? I want to challenge you in January to bring your Bible to church. It's a novel idea, I know, okay? I'm not anti-technology. I love the phones. But I want to take January. We're going to get into God's Word from Psalm 119. And I just want to get us to open our Bibles again. Now, again, bring your phone, use your phone. It's fine. You're not a sinner if you use your phone. Don't hear me say that. But I am saying this. In this technology window that we live in, everything is easy and we can't do anything anymore. And so I want you to actually find out, here's where I find these things in my Bible, okay? So that's just, I'm going to go to school for a month in January. You can still bring your phone, so don't, I'm not, criticizing her. I don't want to hurt your feelings for that. I'm just trying to say, let's get into our Bibles come January. If you need a Bible, we'll get you one, okay? Have I totally offended everyone yet? Okay. that wasn't the goal just trying to say, hey, let's let's get our Bible. So if you have your Bible, there's one right in front of you, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Here's what Apostle Paul says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Doesn't that sound a little bit like what Mentor said to Telemachus, if you're made of the same stuff as your father, you, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And here's the memory verse. And the things, this is Paul, the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. I want to ask you three questions today and I want you to write down three names. So again, I'm going to ask you to do some things. So you're going to need to actually pick up a piece of paper and a pen, and you're going to have to write something down today. I know it's hard, but I believe in you. I know you can do this. So I'm going to ask you three questions. I'm going to ask you to write three names. Okay, are you ready? It's going to take a while, though, to get to those questions and those names. So Paul is talking to Timothy Paul would be the mentor, the guide, and he's speaking to Timothy, a young man in the faith. Paul meets Timothy on one of his missionary journeys back in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 16, Timothy accompanies him on this mission trip through Philippi. Later on, Paul says to Timothy, hey, why don't you be a preacher? Why don't you lead this church in the metropolitan, big commercial city of Ephesus, And we can read a lot about Ephesus in the Bible. We got a whole letter, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And then Paul wrote Timothy two letters. Are you ready for the names? First Timothy and second Timothy. We got creative, didn't we? And so he wrote these two letters to Timothy who is preaching. He's ministering in the city of Ephesus. And in fact, in his first letter, he says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Set an example for the believers in life and speech and doctrine, purity, and things like that. So we have this older guy further along in the journey, Paul, reaching out to a young person named Timothy. So my first question to you is, who is your Timothy? Who is someone earlier on in their journey with Jesus whom you can be a mentor to? Here's what this might look like. I'll show you a picture. This is from just Tuesday. We got to take a group of students down to Ozark Christian College on a Tuesday tour. And so, can I just make the commercial here? We support Ozark as one of our missions. That's one of the that's where I, one of the schools I graduated. Beth graduated there. Michael graduated. So it's it's a good school. It's not the only school. We've got another great one an hour away, Lincoln Christian University. But we took a group down to Ozark. Go back to that one. Okay, thank you. Um, and so uh, first, the, uh, the uh, Ozark Tour Tuesday tour, if you're a junior or senior, raise your hands. Some of you went on the tour. Raise your hands. There's, I see four. There's number five somewhere probably. Yeah, there she is. You gonna leave me hanging. All right, so we had five uh, go. And we asked them, if you, would do, if you were to do this again, would you recommend other juniors and seniors to go on this campus tour? And guess what they said? absolutely you should do that get out a day of school you could spend 30 some hours with me and michael i mean what else do you want uh, if you apply at ozark be- during your visit they'll give you a thousand dollar scholarship so if you're considering ministry in your career for god's work someday tuesday tour come join us this is from ozark chapel and there's uh there are two um how do i how did, what did them say she said we're many people They're like almost hobbits, okay? They're a little short. See how short they are? Okay. And so there's Ted and Bev Skiles. Ted and Bev Skiles, and then there's me and then my daughters, two of my three, Jade and Grace. Ted and Bev Skiles, graduates of Ozark, spent their whole adult life in Taiwan at the home of God's love. It's an orphanage. And they've spent 50 years changing diapers and preaching the gospel. My wife had the opportunity to spend 10 months with them while she was in college. Earlier, between her junior and senior year, is that right? She spent 10 weeks with this couple. This couple has been mentors to us. And there's probably a reason why we're pretty comfortable having lots of kids and changing diapers at our house now because of their investment in our walk with Jesus. So there is Paul, there's some Timothys in that picture. What else I love about this picture is that there's at least three generations represented, physical generations. We've got older, we've got oldish, <laughs> like we're oldish now, and then we've got young people. And so there's the idea that we just need to be mentoring the older to the younger Who's your Timothy? What else I love about this picture? We've got three countries represented in this picture Taiwan, America, France. And I want my family to have a world class view, a world view of God that it's bigger than just people that look and talk like us. Who's your Timothy? Here's another picture of a Timothy. I like this guy. This is me and Michael. We got to go hiking in Colorado uh, while we were out at NYR. I said, get up early. We're going to just hike. And we just chatted. And we practiced our Core 52 memory verses. Uh, But this is another example of what a Timothy could look like. You just invest in someone who is a little bit earlier in their walk. They don't necessarily have to be older or younger than you. Just someone who is a little bit newer in their walk with Jesus. And you just say, hey, come along follow me. You spend some time with one another, you read your Bible, you pray, but it doesn't need to be work. It should be pretty natural. Some of the people call it an apprentice. John Mark Comer likes to call the word disciple. He says we're apprentices of Jesus. That's from the trades, isn't it? You've got the journeyman, you've got the apprentice. So who is someone that could be your Timothy? I want to just carve out, this is just, don't hold this, yeah, write your name down. This is where you got to write somebody down. Okay, are you ready? Pick up your pen, write down someone's name, okay? Pray, Holy Spirit, who is it? Who's the Timothy that you want me to reach out to uh, that's in, in the faith? I would encourage men to mentor men, women to mentor women. I think that's just best. So think about who is your Timothy? I want to carve out so this is kind of step away from the sermon and just do preacher to church talk for a quick moment and then I'll get back in the sermon. It's all the sermon but can I don't hold this against my time. You're like, this is going to be really long, okay. So back in April we had some leaders meet with Don Green and talk about some strategic planning as our church and he walked us through uh, the disciple make, intentional disciple making church. You know, what does it look like to be an intentional disciple making church and there are several it's a big chart, several columns and rows, and there's one on mentoring mindset. Does your church have a mentoring mindset? And the first level, so there's six stages, and so you start down here, and you work your way up. The first level is mentoring is just poorly understood. People have no idea. When you say mentor, what do you mean? And so I hope that we're, through the sermon at least, we're going to fix that, uh, but I think we're beyond some of this. Uh, but you're just like, what's that even mean? I, don't, I have no idea. They're just kind of it's very poorly understood. Second stage is that some leaders are mentoring others, and I, we taught our our three colors class today, and I had someone assist me, Christopher. And I'm going to assist him. So whenever here at church, whenever there is someone doing something, we should have two people doing something. And that kind of gets into another stage even. But some leaders are mentoring others. Here's number three. Here's where I really want to get us working on this week is that the body is beginning to understand the concept of one person spiritually helping another. I think this is where we could fix this today. We could jump to level three today by your three names. And that you realize, okay, I just want to help people. And it's spiritual help. We're not just teaching people to tie their shoes. But we're saying, let's let's pray together. Let's read some scripture together. What can I do to encourage you in your walk with Jesus? It doesn't need to be hard. A few weeks ago, we had those cards that you filled out, your interests and passions. And there were lots of choices. So this isn't a scientific survey. But one of the choices was, you know, I'm passionate about mentoring others. We had three people say they'd like to do that. I don't know if that's good or bad. We all need to do that. And again, there are lots of choices. So I want, what I want to do is say, you can do this. You can mentor. You can disciple other people. Uh, so think on that. Our young people are doing great. We've got several mentor groups with our high schools, boys and girls groups, and they're doing really good. wonder what that would look like if we had adults that would say, let's just get together two or three people and have coffee and pray and read the Bible. That's basically what you guys do in your groups. They, they talk, they pray, they read their Bible, and then they say, based on what I've read, I will do this this week. That's where it gets hard, because then we actually have to like, put the Bible into practice. Another st- I, just, I just need to talk, okay? Can I just say another side, side note? Here's what this looks like Wednesday nights for me. I brought uh, some junior high kids to our God squad. We're targeting them mainly, the elementary age group, but these junior high kids just want to come so I'm just going to bring them. Is that okay to bring kids to church? Okay, and so I brought these kids to church, and I told Michael, I said, I'll just sit with them. And so there were four or five junior high kids. We're around the table. Uh, Remember, I taught them the the table contents in their Bible. We prayed. The first 20 minutes, I I put them to work. I'm like, let's clean up after supper. We're taking trash out. We're cleaning tables. And then we sit down and do the Bible. We pray. We do our I will. After that next uh, Thursday morning, so that was Wednesday night, Thursday morning, I was thinking... That boy that sits right there at the table? No dad at home. There's no dad. Looks at the next kid. There's no dad there either. Go across the table to the other girl? There's no dad. My friends, is there a need for this? What are you going to do about it? Who's your Timothy? You keep going up this ladder and uh, the stage four... What's number four of our growth stage? Mentoring is becoming an integral part of the church's ministry. That just means that anything we do here, we're just kind of helping people. Like, come help me. We're going to work this together, and we're just always constantly bringing people along. I loved going to church this summer. There was a few churches. One specifically in Springfield, Abundant Faith. It was fun. Church was fun at Abundant Faith, and they had worship team. There was like a dozen of them on the screen. They sing really loud. It's so beautiful. And I kept thinking, who's the worship leader? I had no idea because everyone was so good up there and they just took turns leading. It was really great. That was an example of mentoring mindset that the whole church is doing this. Uh, then we continue second generation laborers are involved in mentoring. So I'm mentoring someone and then they start mentoring someone. It's been fun watching our, ch- our young people baptize their friends. Second generation. Second generation are winning people to Jesus. And then you really are hitting your stride when you've got third and fourth generations of laborers mentoring others. What's cool about this is that this is a long process, but it's quicker than natural generations, if you're following me. We usually say like 20 years per generation. This can happen in, in a handful of years by mentoring others who mentor others who mentor others. Are you following me? So who's your Timothy? Now I'm back to the sermon, Okay. We're ready for number two. Paul didn't just have Timothy. He also had a friend beside him named Silas. Paul had a friend named Silas. So I want you to think about who your Silas is. But Silas shows up in the book of Acts, and he kind of plays second fiddle to what's going on, but he is an important person in the book. In the, gospel story and in acts chapter 15 we meet paul we meet silas and he's described in acts 15 verse 22 as a leading man among the brothers this is no small guy here silas is a person similar in in paul's stage of life and he is a leader silas shows up with with paul on his missionary journeys there's a there's a disagreement between paul and barnabas And so Paul says, I'm going to take Silas and we're going to go visit these churches again. And Silas is there. And Silas is with Paul there in Philippi where they cast out a demon and then they get beat up and they're thrown in jail. And it's Paul and Silas who are there in the jail in Philippi at midnight and they're beat up, their backs are raw and their hand and feet are in stocks. And this earthquake shows up, but they're praising God and they're praying. And God frees them. And they baptized the jailer that night. It's Paul and Silas. I wonder if Paul was glad that Silas was next to him that night in the Philippian jail. Who's your Silas? Who's that friend that loves Jesus that walks life with you? Who's your Silas? Everyone needs a Silas. And if you read Paul's letter, he had a lot of them. That's what's fun about these Paul, the, the letters of Paul. You get toward the end, he's like, greet so and so, greet so and so, tell Urbanus hi, tell Tychicus, all these people. He just has this list of names. He's got a lot of friends to walk life with you. So who's your Silas? I'll show you a picture of one of my Silas guys. His name's Fred, Fred Hansen. Some of you know Fred, he's been here to preach. I met Fred years ago. Uh, we were in seminary together at Lincoln Christian, and uh, he was preaching in Blooming Grove, just outside of Palmyra, the Christian church there. And uh, we just struck up a dear friendship and uh, have been friends uh, to this day, 20 some years later. Fred is now a missionary with TCM, it's a missionary school. Uh, their headquarters is in Indianapolis, but they've, their home base is at Haas Edelweiss, Austria. Doesn't that sound fun? I'd like to visit him sometime over there. It'd be fun to do some teaching. And so he uh, teaches for them. He teaches students, ministers in Eastern Bloc countries in Europe. Uh, I was messaging with him on Tuesday, and he's like, Tuesday, I'm teaching online. He's got students in Kenya. He's just doing all kinds of cool things for Jesus. His wife is an elementary school principal. His daughter is at Harding University. He's got a junior in high school. So similar stages of life, Fred and I. Fred and I uh, just have a friendship. He's who I call, he's my exegetical cop. So whenever I'm studying the Bible, and you just, there's just times you're like, I'm not sure this, I don't understand what this book means. Do you, you ever have those moments? And so I need to make sure that I'm doing my homework for you. So I call Fred and said, hey, I'm studying this. I think this is what this means. Help me out, because he's major into the Greek stuff. He can really help me. So he's my exegetical cop. He's taught me how to parse Greek verbs and shoot clay pigeons. <laughs> I like Fred. Fred's my Silas. One of many. I could put several of your names on that list as well. Who's your Silas? Would you write down your friend's name right here? Go ahead, pick your pen up. Write down a name. Who your Silas is. Paul had a Timothy. Paul had a Silas. He also had a Barnabas. Paul had a Barnabas. If it were not for Barnabas, we may not even know about Paul. If it were not for Barnabas, we may not have much of a New Testament. Barnabas is an important guy. 28 times in the New Testament, you read Barnabas' name. The first time you meet Barnabas, it's in Acts chapter 4, and he sold a piece of property and he just places it. He just gives the money at the apostles' speech. He's like, here you go. This is God's money. He's generous. He's known as the son of encouragement. But before we really get, that's what Luke does in the, in, the, in the book of Acts. He just kind of gives you a tease. And so Acts chapter 4, we see Barnabas. We don't see him again until Acts chapter 9. But between 4 and 9, we get this guy named Saul of Tarsus. We call him Paul, who is a killer of Christians And he's got papers in his hand on his way to Damascus to kill some more Christians. And he meets Jesus with that blinding light on the road to Damascus, the Apostle Paul does. And he says, he finds out that he needs to change his ways. And so Paul goes and he he recognizes it's Jesus who who he's persecuting. He goes and meets this guy named Ananias, becomes a Christian, is baptized. And then Paul tries to hook up with the 12 disciples, the Apostles. And they're not so sure this guy's for real. They're like, "We remember this Paul guy. He was killing Christians not that long ago. He' probably just has this mock conversion experience to, to get in and kill us. we're not trusting him. And Acts chapter nine, verses 26, 28. But when Paul or Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were af- all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas is saying, hey, I'll vouch for him. He's the real deal. Barnabas, a little further along in his journey with Jesus, brings along someone new, says, hey, you can trust him. He's for real. And Paul and Barnabas go on that first missionary journey. And Barnabas shows up a handful of other times in the New Testament. And the first few parts when Paul and Barnabas are together, there are many times he's introduced to us. Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. And then later, Paul and Barnabas. And so this one who's been uh, kind of in the driver's seat just kind of takes a step back and says, you do your thing, Paul, and I'm here with you. Who's your Barnabas? Who's that many times older, not always, but most of the time it's older, someone who's followed Jesus? They've got gray hair if they have some. And they have wisdom that you need, that I need. Who's your Barnabas? I was at a retreat a couple, uh, about a month ago. Uh, I'll talk about Wayne in a second. But before I get to Wayne, uh, I was at a retreat a couple weeks ago. uh, And uh, Cam Huxford preaches at Compassion Christian Church, big church, Savannah, Georgia. And he told us preachers, he said, you need to get a collection of old guys around you. He said, you just need to start collecting old guys. And there's this wisdom of just having some older folks around. Because they are a guide. They've gone ahead of us. They've kind of faced those choices that we are facing. So we need those older men and women to teach and guide us in our journey. I'm thankful for my grandpa, Wes, who taught me how to drive a tractor when I was eight years old. And he was the one that would get off and open the gate and let me drive his John Deere through the gate. Mom wasn't so excited about me doing that, but he thought that was pretty cool. He's the one that showed me how to use an acetylene torch. I couldn't do it now, but he, I remember being able to hit that button and just pfft and blow that uh, metal piece off of there. He's the one that showed me how to put uh, metal on a barn, lay block. I just have fond, fond memories of my grandpa. Someone older has been there, done that, can help you learn some things. I'm thankful for the coaches that I had in my life, especially the ones that love Jesus. I remember Coach Bob Coffey and Alvin Elbert. They were our youth sponsors. What was cool about those guys, they were the same guys in the Sunday school classroom as they were in the locker room. They're the real deal. I'm thankful for those coaches in my life. I'm thankful for those who have taught me the ways of Jesus. I could list a handful of you here in this room that have just helped me be a man, helped me to be a dad, and just helped me just to follow Jesus well. So who's your Barnabas? Who's that older, wiser person that you can reach out to and just make the phone call? Many of you know I've had a wonderful relationship with Wayne Shaw Wayne's my dear, dear friend. I got to meet him uh, in 2000 when I was a student at Lincoln Christian University. I heard him preach uh, in chapel and we had to pick a a staff member at the school, a teacher, and I'm like, I want to pick him. And so I got to sit with Wayne and he uh, talked me through, in his words, uh, my courtship with Beth. We weren't even married yet. We were dating. And uh, so he's known me through that and saw me. Uh, Grow up. And I'm so, so thankful for that friendship. It just really kind of just happened. You know, uh, it got sparked when I had a couple of my elders about a dozen years ago sit in my study after a leadership meeting. They said, hey, you're a good preacher, but you can be better. And I didn't really think I could handle that, but I'm so glad they said, you're good, but we know there's more in there. And so I called up Wayne. and said, hey, Wayne, elders saying they want me to be a better preacher. And I'm thankful I took that to heart. And so we read books and we studied and we just had a lot of fried chicken at Bonanza. We closed them out. Uh, they're not in business anymore. They're in Lincoln. Uh, so we, just, we would just go. I'd just call him up. Hey, Wayne, let's get together. Go spend a couple hours at Bonanza just talking. I just loved hearing his stories. And maybe you know that Wayne passed away this summer. And uh, I knew that day was coming. It was always hard. Uh, and so those old guys are going to die. But what's cool? The cool thing is, I can still hear his voice, I can still hear those stories. And those can't ever be taken away. I've actually called, well, reached out to someone uh, just the last couple weeks, said, hey, uh, one mentor's died. I'm looking for another one. He said, be happy to. So I'm going to reach out to him here soon and start another conversation. It'll be different. But who is your Barnabas? Would you write down that name? This one's a hard one, I think you want someone to that, basically, who do you want to be like in 10 years, 20 years, 50 years? Write down that name. Paul says, 2 Timothy, you, my son, my child, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses... You entrust it. It's like gold. You entrust it to reliable people who will be able to teach others. Who's your Timothy? Who's your Silas? Who's your Barnabas? Those words from Paul sound a lot like Jesus when he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples be mentors to apprentices, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The bottom line for today, Christ followers live out their mission when they disciple others disciple others let's pray Father Son and Holy Spirit thank you for your gift of grace thank you for the people that you've placed in our lives right now and I want to pray that we've written down some names I pray that we'll talk with them this week And you'll guide us in those conversations. That you will equip us to mentor others who will mentor others who will mentor others. And that lives and families would be changed as a result of our intentional efforts to help one another spiritually. Thank you for rescuing us. We ask for your Holy Spirit to empower us. Amen.